0: Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Hi everyone. Uh, welcome to our Shofar Book service. And uh, for many of you, you've been doing this journey with us through the gospel of Luke, the Christmas challenge as we call it. Uh, Luke has 24 chapters and we've decided that together we're going to read through the 24 chapters, one chapter a day, starting on the 1st of December and ending on the 24th of December in preparation uh, for Christmas. And um, we've been preaching through it. And we've, we've seen that um, you can, in a sense, see Luke's gospel and, and Acts to a, uh, to a certain extent as well as, as, a, as a whole bunch of journeys Journeys that Jesus goes on and j- journeys that Jesus takes us as the church on. And um, we saw that, uh, or we, we will see next week uh, when, we, when we look at chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1 and 2 on Christmas Day, we'll see it, it starts with Jesus' journey into humanity. Where Jesus comes basically journeys from heaven to earth and into humanity through childhood and into adulthood. Um, we see that it... Um, uh, continues with Jesus's journey of revelation, where in, in the early chapters of Luke, chapter 3 to about chapter 9, Jesus's journey through Galilee is portrayed and all the ministry that he does. But it, it, Luke uses it as an opportunity to show who Jesus really is. So it's a journey of discovery for the disciples uh, and a journey of revelation for Jesus, where he where reveals who he is um, as the Messiah. Uh, as the Son of God, and um, then last week we we saw that that middle section of Luke from chapter nine about verse fifty one to chapter nineteen verse twenty seven is a is the journey. It focuses. Luke focuses on Jesus's journey. To Jerusalem, It says, starts off by saying Jesus from that time set his face, you know, um, to, to go to Jerusalem. And, and, and then he arrives at Jerusalem in, in chapter 19. And, and Luke uses that journey to Jerusalem to portray the journey of discipleship. So, so that's all about the journey of discipleship. And today we're going to look at Jesus' journey when he arrives in Jerusalem. He's basically his journey to the throne, his journey from earth back to heaven again, through the, uh, through the cross and, and and the ascension to, to, to the throne, the throne of David that was promised right at the beginning of, of Luke's gospel when, when his birth was announced. It, it was said he, was, he will be given the throne of his father David. So we're going to look at that in a moment. But um, yeah, I just want to encourage you. Let's continue reading the Gospel of Luke. Let's continue reading chapter for chapter together as small groups. Let's continue posting, you know, every every day what you know from the chapter that you read. What what stood out for you? What what really spoke to you, uh, and uh, and and why? And let's continue to encourage one another and learn as we go through this journey uh, and see this journey that Jesus went on and that He also takes us on. Now, journeys are a common sort of feature in just world literature, you know, the world over. You know, as early as as Homer's Iliad, you know, we had um, the, the Odyssey, we had we had um, you know these journeys in Greek literature of these epic journeys that heroes go on, you know, to 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 fulfill a mission. We have uh, J.R.R. R. Tolkien's epic journeys that Bilbo baggins and then later on Frodo baggins go on you know the journey you know to go and destroy the ring of power uh you know and we have you know the epic journeys of shrek and donkey you know to go and save the maiden fair (laughs) and of course the bible is full of its own epic journeys you have the epic journey of Abraham from ur of the chaldeans to the promised land you have um the journey of joseph uh you know, from the promised land to Egypt. And then eventually the journey of his family to go and join him in Egypt. And then eventually 400 odd years later, you have the epic journey of the Exodus where Moses leads a whole nation, um, more than a million, probably a million and a half people from Egypt to the, back to the promised land again. Um, you have other epic journeys where, you know, that are maybe not so, so pleasant where when Israel, you know, after many hundreds of years of sinning against God and being unfaithful to God, God um, led them through Nebuchadnezzar, you know, t- took them on a journey to Babylon where they were in captivity for for uh, 70 years. And then there's an epic journey through, uh, you know, under Ezra and Nehemiah and guys like that back again to the promised land. And um, yeah, we see even in the New Testament, I mean, we have Paul's epic Missionary journeys, you know at least three possibly four missionary journeys ever widening you know into the the known world of 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 the the ancient near east and and um, ancient europe so journeys are, are are stuff that you know we, we are you know, many people have written about you know and 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 and, and it 's a a powerful metaphor for our lives you know journeys. Because our life, in a sense, is a journey, you know, into adulthood and into, you know, whatever God has for us, what he, what he has uh, destined um, for us. And, and what we see in, in this passage, I'm, I'm actually just going to read, start off by reading just a couple of verses from Luke chapter 19. <clears throat> I'm going to read from verse 11 onwards. Uh, and it's a parable that Jesus tells about a journey, but very clearly, that journey, the, the parable is, is about himself and the journey that he goes on. And I think it, it sort of encapsulates uh, and in some way summarizes a lot of what we're going to see in the section of, of Luke's gospel. So um, it says in Luke 19 verse 11, while they were listening to this, in fact, let me just read the previous verse. It, it, say, it says, for the Son of Man came to seek And save the lost. In this journey, uh, that's a very central verse to Luke's gospel, you know, sort of summarizing what what the mission of, of Jesus in Luke's gospel. He came on this journey from heaven to earth to come and seek and save the lost. And then it says in verse 11, while they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. So we know that Jesus has already said the kingdom of God is at hand, or it's, which doesn't mean the kingdom is here. It means the kingdom is near. Okay? It hasn't quite arrived yet. I mean, the, and this verse tells us that, you know, because people's expectation was that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. But we, we find as we go on that the kingdom of God, in a sense, it's already come, but it's not yet fully come. It hasn't appeared fully yet. Um, and he said, so he's telling this parable in answer to that expectation. Just bear that in mind. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he, came, he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas, which was just a, you know, a Greco-Roman coin, a mina. Um, put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him. And sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. So you can see that he's sent to be appointed king. There's there's the resistance to his kingship. Uh, He was made king, however, and he returned home. Then he sent for uh, the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. And the first one said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, uh, your good servant, the master replied, because you have been trustworthy uh, in a very small matter. Take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. Uh, The master answered, you take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because... You are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not uh, sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to uh, the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who who has nothing, even what, what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, Bring them here and kill them in front of me, so it 's it's quite a harsh parable in the end, but what it is it 's clearly about Jesus and that the, that he 's going to go away in the parable it says to a distant country, and that obviously represents heaven you know to to be appointed king, you know, to use the words of the parable. Uh, there's resistance and those, his own people, his own subjects, actually, who hated him and don't want him to be appointed king. And, and in a sense, that that points to his own people, the Jews. Uh, but but not only the Jews, because it's not just the Jews who didn't want Jesus as king. We see, um, as Acts goes on, that the Romans didn't want uh, him as king either. But he was appointed king in heaven. And then eventually he'll return uh, home and he'll... he'll um, sort of, there'll be a time of judgment and accountability. Uh, so what I want you to see is this, this king goes on a journey. He goes to a distant country representing heaven. He's appointed king and he comes back again. So, so it's all about this, this journey. And, it, and, and I just want to highlight three things of, of this journey. It's a journey of fulfillment. It's a fulfillment journey, as we're going to see. It's a coronation journey. You know, because he's crowned as king, he's, he's appointed as king, and it's an exodus journey. He doesn't go on this journey alone in a sense, he takes a whole nation, he takes his people in a sense with him on this exodus journey. So let's look at that very briefly. Um, and I, I just want to encourage you if you if you're at home or so, get yourself some some juice and and you know maybe some bread. Uh, because at the end um, we're going to have we are going to have some communion. So if you're watching on YouTube, you're welcome to just pause for a moment uh, and go and get the juice and the um, and the bread because we're going to we're going to just have communion together. Um, so we see that this is a fulfillment journey. I just want to uh, read you another portion in 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 Luke 21, and here Jesus actually talks um, from verse five. He prophesies about what's coming in the end times and, and a lot of interesting things because he prophesies the destruction of the temple, which then took place in 70 AD, exactly like he prophesied it. You know, the Roman army surrounded Jerusalem and he said, when, when the army surround Jerusalem, flee the countryside and even flee the city. And what happened was, I mean, obviously, when, if an army is surrounding you, how are you going to flee when, when you're surrounded? But what the Romans did was they said, listen, anyone hold up in Jerusalem behind the walls, uh, we're going to give you one chance to leave the city. And, you know, you can leave and we won't kill you and, and, you, and you'll be free. But if you stay in the city, we, we're going to, we're going to see, put siege to the city, lay siege to the city. We're going to flatten the city and we're going to kill everyone who remains in the city. So the Christians remembered this thing that Jesus prophesied, you know, when he arrived in Jerusalem, uh, be, just before he was crucified. And they remembered he was saying, you know, when you see the army surrounding Jerusalem, flee the countryside and flee the city. So when the Romans said, flee the city, all the Christians left the city. And the Jews, of course, were very upset with the Christians for doing that. Um, of course, the Jews in that time, would, of the Christians in those times, you know, they were all Jewish Christians. But they were Messianic, Messianic Jews who believed in Jesus as the Messiah, the King. So they remember this prophecy and they, and they, they fled the city and, and the Romans let them leave and they survived. Um, and then, of course, the city was flattened. And, and, and it says here, as part of that prophecy, um, in verse 25 of Luke 21, it says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity uh, at the roar, roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint for, from terror, apprehension of what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time you will see the Son of Man coming in, the, uh, in a cloud with, great pow- with power and great glory. So, so he's not only, he wasn't only speaking about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. He's also prophesying the very end and his return. Um, pointing back to that parable about the, the man who is appointed king. He's crowned king. And then he returns. Um, so he'll return on, uh, but he refers to himself as the son of man. That's really interesting. We'll see, see that in a moment. And coming on the clouds with, great, with power and great glory. Uh, and he says, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, for your redemption is drawing near. Um, and, and he says, um, he, he told them uh, this parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees when they sprout leaves. You can see for yourselves and know the summer is near, even so when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near, okay so he 's talking about the coming of the kingdom which will fully come when Jesus himself as king returns, returns having been appointed or crowned as king. But what I want you to see, um, and this is just one example in many, is that this is is a is a fulfillment journey because um, we spoke just now about the journey of the Exodus, where Israel went to the Promised Land, and then sort of a reverse Exodus, where they, under Babylon, when they went into Babylonian exile, and Daniel and his friends were some of the people who were in exile in in, in Babylon, and Daniel, and that was around. Um, let me think now. Uh, you know the the, ex, the, the 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 Babylonian exile was around five hundred and eighty six that Nebuchadnezzar took, took uh, the Jews into exile, uh, and Daniel and his friends. and they were there for at least seventy years before they started returning. Um, and Daniel received certain visions, lots of visions. Daniel's an amazing book. Um, So he wrote it around that time. And and listen to this vision that he received in Daniel 7 from verse 13 to 14. It says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before, before me was one like a son of man. Can you see where Jesus gets this title, the son of man? One like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, was led into his presence... And he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. Power and great glory, as we read in Luke. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So we see here more than 500 years before Christ now, now, Christ is talking about the re- his return back to earth on the clouds. But this is talking about the Son of Man not coming from heaven to earth, but going from earth to heaven. So it's, it's referring to the ascension, or it's fulfilled in the ascension. On the clouds he goes to heaven, to the ancient of days, and receives power and great glory. He receives a kingdom, and, and, and he's even worshipped. So this, this king is he's, he's, he's like, he's, he's the Son of Man, so he's human, but he's worshipped as if he's God, because he's also God. He's the Son of God. And we see that this prophecy made more than 500 years before Christ is being fulfilled in Christ. And he even tells this parable about going to a far country to receive a kingship and to come back, because he knew that's what he was going to fulfill. He knows that his journey, or this part of his journey, is a fulfillment journey. In fact, the whole journey to earth and back to heaven again is a, fulfill, is a, is a journey of fulfillment. Um, and this is just one example. You know, when I did my, my masters a couple of years ago, I, I specifically focused on Luke and Acts. And, and how Luke, uh, because he wrote both Luke and Acts, um, how he used the book of Isaiah... And and I found that there were 11 explicit quotes in Luke and Acts to to the book of Isaiah. And that's just one of the 66 books of the Old Testament. 11 explicit quotes and more than 150 very subtle allusions just to the book of Isaiah. Just to one book of the Old Testament. So, So this journey of fulfillment, Luke is constantly showing how the history of Jesus and the early church is constantly fulfilling the Old Testament scriptures. He's showing it explicitly, showing it um, He's showing it implicitly. He's showing it sort of in your face, and he's showing it very subtly by using even terms, the Son of the Son of Man. Um, so it's a fulfillment journey that 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 we see Jesus undertaking on the one hand. But then we also see it's not only a journey of fulfillment; it's also a coronation journey, a journey of jesus receiving his kingship and and we see the you know the parable is about a king a a man going to receive a kingship and coming to back back to rule as king and even to judge as king just after that as jesus enters jerusalem um, you know they're waving the palm branches they're throwing their clothes on the ground he's riding into jerusalem on a donkey Also prophesied, by the way, in in the Old Testament, very specifically. They sing, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king. They're receiving them are acknowledging him as king. Um, But he's a strange king. Because usually when kings ride into a city to conquer it, they ride on horses, not on donkeys. (laughs) A donkey is sort of a... A smaller, peaceful, you know, pack animal where, you know, a horse, a war horse is what you usually ride into battle into. And, and he's showing that he's, that he's coming to Jerusalem as king. And he's going to conquer Jerusalem in a sense, but through peaceful means. Uh, it, it goes on in chapter 20. He, he gets into the, the temple. Jesus goes to the temple. And, and, you know, for a couple of days he go, goes to the temple. And the first um, day he goes to the temple, they, they question his authority. They say, who gave you authority you, who gave you this authority? Who gave you authority to do this? And, and it's, it, once again, they're questioning his kingly authority. Uh, and, and, and then he says, you uh, asked him a question. Um, I will also ask you a question, he says. John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves uh, uh, and said, if we say from heaven... He will ask, Why didn't, didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, We do not know <laughs> where it is from. Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. So he says, I won't tell you by, by what authority. But in a sense, he's actually already implying it very subtly for those who can see it. Because when he talks about John's baptism, what happens at at John's baptism? Jesus was baptized. Not only by John, but remember the heavens were torn open. The Father spoke from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Now, remember Jesus is the son of David. He's from the line of David. Luke makes a big thing about that in, in the first two chapters. In fact, the first three chapters of his gospel. And it was promised to David that his line, someone from his line will always sit on the throne. And Jesus, the, the first king of Israel, Saul, was anointed. The second king of Israel, David, was anointed by, by, by Samuel. All the kings following that, and, and, and the first two kings, um, Saul and David, they weren't only anointed with oil, but they received the Holy Spirit. None of the kings after that, from the line of David, um. Explicit, they were anointed with oil, but he's never explicitly mentioned that they received the Holy Spirit. So after David, the first king or the first person in the line of David who is mentioned as explicitly in the Bible receiving the Holy Spirit is the son of David, Jesus, the true and greater David. So he's basically saying, my authority comes from me being anointed as king by the Father. <clears throat> and uh, he goes on to tell other parables and stuff. They challenge his authority, trying to trick him by saying, you know, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Because he's sort of the ultimate king of the empire, the Roman Empire. Um, and, and, and Jesus says, yes, you know, give back to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Because he asked whose who's inscription and, and images on the coin. But give back to God what is God's. In other words, Caesar requires your money. I require your lives as king, as ultimate king. In in chapter uh, 20, verse um, 41, it talks about, so then Jesus um, said to them, why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? So again, we see that um, you know, fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus is quoting here from Psalm 110, where, it say, where, where the Lord Yahweh said to David, speaking, says, "My Lord, Adonai, sit at my right hand uh, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet." And, and Jesus, once again, pointing to, to the fact that he's going on this journey from earth to heaven, it, and it happens has to happen through the cross um, to go and receive a kingdom um, and to to be crowned king in a sense, you know, the coronation journey, and then to rule in the midst of his enemies until all his enemies are put under his feet. Um, then we see, um, you know, Jesus, um, in a sense, let, let me just mention this. Jesus is sort of switches track in, in, in chapter... Twenty-two, and it, it says the festival of unleavened bread, the Passover is coming, and it, talk, it talks in, in verse seven about the um, um, then the day of unleavened bread, which is the uh, on which the Passover lamb is to be sacrificed, came, and then Jesus institutes the Lord's supper based on the Passover meal, and we know that the Passover meal was the meal that they had at the beginning of the Passover, uh, at the beginning of the Exodus journey out of Egypt, and Jesus is showing here that. It's this coronation journey is going on. is not a journey just that it goes on alone, but it takes us with him on a journey. It's an exodus journey. Just like the Israelites were under Pharaoh oppressed and in bondage, in slavery. So we are under Satan, the the you know spiritual Pharaoh. We are under slavery to sin. But he is saying to, to Satan, let my people go. And like a um, you know, like a prophet like Moses, he's leading a new Exodus, he's leading his people out from bondage and slavery and, and into freedom. Um, based on the And he says, for instance, um, he says, I, I, I was eager, I eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it is uh, it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And we see we see forf- the, the fulfillment theme coming through here as well. Um, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. I tell you, um, I, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he says uh, in verse 29, I offer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred on one on me. Um, so, you see the kingdom theme coming through, but we see that there's that, that fulfillment that happens. It's, it's not just scriptures like Daniel 7 or Psalm 110. Um, it's, it's the imagery of the Exodus that is being fulfilled. The Passover lamb has to be killed. Jesus talks about him desiring to eat the Passover before he suffers because he is the Passover lamb. He's leading an Exodus. We, we, we saw last week that... Um, in Luke chapter, I'm not going to read it now, but in the, in the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus is speaking to, to Moses and Elijah. And, and he says, he, he talks about, in, in, in the NIV translated, his departure that he has to accomplish in Jerusalem. The, the Greek word used there is literally the word exodus, exodus. He has to accomplish an exodus in Jerusalem. He's going on a journey to Jerusalem to accomplish an exodus, a new exodus, in which he dies, he suffers, and dies as the Passover lamb, and and this the bread and and the cup represents his broken body, the, the body of the Passover lamb, sacrificed, and the, and the the blood painted on the doorposts, you know the, the the cross, the wood of the cross, so he can lead an exodus for, of God's people from bondage and slavery into freedom, <clears throat> and we see there's there's this this major reversal. He's he's a king going on a journey to be crowned as king. And, 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 and we even see in, in chapter 23, you know, it, for instance, says um, at his trial, they, they, they accused him and said, um, we have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, which is a lie because Jesus said give back to Caesar, you know, what it belongs to Caesar, you know, so pay taxes to Caesar. And he claims to be Messiah, a king. So this is the accusation that his own people. So we see the fulfillment of that parable. His own people hated him and didn't want him to be king. So Pilate uh, asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. So he says, I am am the king of the Jews. And then on his cross, it says, um, while while he's being crucified, it says, if, um, in verse uh, 35, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah. Messiah means anointed king, uh, God's chosen one. Um, and, and then in verse 37 it says, "'If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself.'" This is the Roman soldier speaking to him, and above his head they put a sign that says, "'This is the king of the Jews.'" And then, you know, one of the, you know, the, the two thieves crucified next to him, one was mocking him, the other said, "'No, you know, don't, don't mock him.'" The one mocked him and said, "'Are oh, you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us.'" I "What? Well. "'Are you the anointed king? Save us.'" And the other one said, "'No, we, we deserve what we're getting. We deserve to die for our crimes, but he's innocent.'" Uh, and then he says to Jesus, "Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom." And Jesus answered him, "Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise." So we see this 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 um, this theme of king the king coming through, but but it, it's fulfilled in a very ironic, you know, upside down way. When I think of this, I always think of of Shrek, the first Shrek, and uh, Shrek, you know, he's, he's you know, swamp house is being taken over by all kinds of fairy creatures. And, and he and he says he's going to, you know, he finds out Lord Farquaad is sending them there. And, and he says, no, he's going to go and sort out this Lord Farquaad. And he comes into the stadium where Lord Farquaad is go- having a tournament, you know, because he wants to become a king. He's this very, um, you know, ambitious guy. He wants to become a king. So he needs a queen, you know, he needs a real princess that he can marry so he can become a king. You know, and he's going to have a tournament. And, and and Shrek sort of walks in. And, he, and in the first thing he hears, Lord Farquaad say, You know, as he sends, you know, he's going to send these champions on a on a journey. He says, "Some of you may die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make." You know, and human history tells us that that has been the attitude of most of the kings of the world. My subjects must die for me. My subjects must keep me. Must must die to keep me to give me power and to keep me in power. And Jesus turns that whole kingship thing upside down. He takes a crown of thorns on his head and he dies for his subjects. Rather than saying, some of you may die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Jesus in effect says, I will die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to, be, to, to make. You don't have to die for me. I will die for you. I will not require you to die for me, but I'm not willing to die for you. I will die for you first. I will set the example. Um, and we see that, that Jesus doesn't say, You must die to keep me in power, but I'll use my power and lay down my power and die for you to save you so that I can set you free from slavery and lead you on this new exodus. And then in, in, uh, at the end of the chapter, he talks about um, you know, um, Joseph Arimathea waiting for the kingdom of God. Um, and, and we see eventually Jesus um, saying uh, in chapter 24, verse 46, um, He told them, it is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Uh, I'm going to send you, once I've gone on this journey to the Father, I'm going to send you from, from what my Father has promised, but stay in the city of Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then it says he blessed them and he went up into heaven. He was taken up into heaven. So I just want you to see. I'm, I'm giving you a bit of a, just an overview of this, this portion of Luke's gospel. But it's a, it's, a, it's a journey, a powerful journey to the throne. It's a journey that fulfills prophecy. Not only explicit prophecies in the Old Testament, but the pictures of the Old Testament, the Exodus, the Passover. It's a journey of coronation where he gets crowned king and from which he will come back to rule as king. And it's a journey which is an Exodus. It's a journey that he doesn't take alone, but it's a journey that he takes us on. And um, we'll see more about that in the future. But I want to just, in closing, ask you, let's, let's take the bread and the cup representing the Passover, lamb's broken body and shed blood. Jesus, the ultimate Passover. And this was a meal that was eaten at the beginning of the Exodus journey. And every time we eat it, we remind ourselves that we, that not only has our Lord, our King gone on a journey, but He leads us on a journey. And we follow Him and can follow Him on that journey because He laid down His life for us so that we can go on that journey. Lord Jesus, we thank You, Lord, for this bread which as we break it we remember Lord your body was broken for us and we just receive your broken body the body of the Passover lamb broken for us so that we can be made whole and we receive it with thanksgiving from you please make us whole in Jesus name And Lord Jesus, we thank you for this cup that we can take together as friends and family. This cup representing the new covenant in your blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that that you as our King did not require us to die for you, but you were willing to die for us. And as we receive this cup, we receive your death, your blood that cleanses from all sin. We receive your love, the love of the King for us. Oh Lord, that someone so great as you, the Son of Man, who has power and great glory, that you were willing to die for me and for us. Lord, it boggles our minds that our King was willing to die for us. But we receive that love and we receive that forgiveness as we receive this cup in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. And Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we can celebrate the journey that we are on, the Exodus journey that you are leading us on. Leading us all the way to the promised land, leading us into freedom. And we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to complete the good work that you have started in us. And we pray, Lord, that you'll help us by your grace and by your Holy Spirit to be faithful to you, to work with what you have given us as we go on this Exodus journey that you are leading us on in Jesus' name. I just pray your blessing over all your saints, and I pray, Lord, that. Lord, you'll encourage them on the journey, Lord. That, Lord, as they eat the bread and drink the cup, Lord, and they receive you, and are reminded of the fact that you've given yourself to, to us, Lord, that, that they'll be strengthened for the journey that lies ahead in Jesus' name. I just bless them, even as you spoke your blessing over the disciples, as you ascended into heaven, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, that I can just speak your blessing